any particular models that are that you see are really sought out as an investment car? Uh, right now, uh, Porsche 911s are huge. Um, this is interesting. Yeah, like that was when I was a kid. That was they were really big and then not, not as much for a period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's that's kind of why um, a lot of the kids that were growing up in the seventies um, and eighties saw it, thought they were really cool, and they kind of just got left aside. And recently, they've just prices have just been going way up. I kind of like to watch the depreciation value that that occurs through the generation. You'll see it. Right now, they're about the 70s, late 70s, 80s are starting to go back up, hmm. and the early 90s ones are starting to come down. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. This podcast is intended for free thinkers, entrepreneurs, and knowledge seekers. Join us as we discuss relevant financial topics, explore with guests their financial journeys, and engage with experts in industries such as space media and entertainment, real estate, and many more. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. You're with your host, myself, Tim Bickmore. And we also have my colleagues, Dan Weiss and Gary Grosskopf. He is going to be our guest today. We are going to be talking about buying cars. Why? Because Gary loves cars. And so we're going to speak to him about it for our clients and people who are listening to our podcast about what to think about when buying a car. What's interesting as of today, the market for cars has been very different than it has in the past, where cars have held their value more so than depreciate due to supply constraints. But before we jump in and start talking to Gary about cars, if you do like our podcast and you like the content, please subscribe and share our information to whoever you'd like. We're just here to try to educate people on different subjects. So please, it really helps out. Subscribe, share, and like our content. Uh, we get a lot of questions about what car should I look at? How does it fit? Um, we want people to feel like they're fitted to their car for various reasons. And so often Gary gets brought into these conversations to talk about what models make sense based on what someone's looking at. So that's a good place to start. So just some factors to kind of look into. Uh, and Gary, if we can kind of go over some of these things, maybe starting with size. The old question, does size matter? <laughs> yeah, well, definitely, sometimes. Um, it depends on all what you're looking at. Uh, if you got a large family, uh, a lot of people like to go with large SUVs. Uh, minivans are always a great option still. Uh, lots of room for hauling kids, doing sports stuff. Um, if you're a smaller family, uh, a lot of people like to go with sedans. Um, if you're like me and it's just me and some other person, maybe a coupe, maybe a convertible, depending on the weather. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the kids part because I never fully understand understood until I had a daughter and, uh, uh, and she's pretty, pretty mild. Um, but I've definitely had friends that uh, love the minivan, even though they thought they wouldn't because those doors slide so they can't be hitting other people's cars mm -hmm. and parking lots. It's like one of the major lists of parents' fears and so on. Um, so uh, obviously we can find all sorts of different sizes and so mm -hmm. on in a vehicle. Um, usually we're talking about mid to luxury vehicles with mm -hmm. our clientele. If maybe you can give some options. If somebody's looking for a mid-sized SUV, for example, 
what are some of the, the models or, or brands that we perhaps might suggest starting that journey with? Sure. Um, so for kind of luxury upper scale, um, Acura makes a great um, SUV, the MDX. Uh, a lot of people, even though it's, it's, they meet a large brand of, of, of people and, and price ranges, but Toyota, people love Toyotas. Um, the Highlander uh, is a big one. Uh, and then for their Toyota's luxury brand, Lexus, and I'm not quite sure what the model numbers are. They, they get, they get a little crazy, but there's some definitely nice Lexuses out there, uh, for, um, European wise, uh, people love their BMWs, uh, BMW makes some good large SUVs, uh, so does Volkswagen, uh, the Atlas, uh, that's a newer model, newer model. Yep. Just came out, um, a couple of years ago now, <laughs> been a little bit. Um, so yeah, those are, it's good. And then in the American market, the, uh, Chevy, uh, Equinox, uh, this is a little smaller, uh, the Traverse, people love those, uh, Cadillac makes a nice XT6. And then people love the Escalade, the Suburban and the, uh, Yukon from GM, all different brands, GMC, Chevy and, um, Cadillac. Uh, so yeah, there's lots of options. You can go with the Volvo. Volvo, ooh, uh, CX90, CX90, those are nice too. Uh, very safe. They're always known for for their quality of, of safety. They take that very importantly. And and um, what can you tell us about drive type? So drive type um, <laughs> up here in Wisconsin, uh, I'm always a proponent of four wheel drive. Uh, it's very fun in the winter when you can kick the back end out and still be safe. Um, that's just me. Uh, but um, a lot of cars now are just front wheel drive. Uh, a lot of them come with four wheel drive options, which is nice. Uh, it all just depends on if you really need it. Uh, it costs more to have more things spinning down there. Uh, but like out in California, you could probably get away with a rear wheel drive or front wheel drive only. Definitely something to consider though, right? Because at least California aside, um, in these regions of the country, depending on how much you plan to drive that car, uh, understanding your, your real drive components is really important and not so great weather. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. A little bit too much power in a turn when it's raining or, or when it's a little icy and you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> how about, uh, seating? So seating is obviously. Uh, big thing to consider. What what are you what are you finding as far as vehicles that offer some more room? If you're tall individuals like yourself mm -hmm. or Tim, um, uh, you know, and, and also too, I think we get a lot of questions on vehicles that have uh, like third rows. Like mm -hmm. uh, I've always been a fan of Jeep myself, mm -hmm. and I've owned several Jeeps, and probably always will. And I like, I know the Cherokee just came out with. A newer model that has, I believe, another row of seats, which is on in the Jeep. Plus, of course, they reintroduced the Wagoneer, uh, which would be a larger, larger Jeep as well. So, what are you seeing as far as um, extra seating and where you can find value in that? Well, I think it's always important just to look for something to, to watch for is that like SUVs, they'll have a third row, but there's no cargo room in the back. So, you got to yeah. just watch for that. Um, also the room. I'm, yeah, I'm six foot two. Uh, my brother is about six foot five. 
so we're always good gauges on whether it's comfortable or not to sit in the back. And usually, usually uh, my younger brother likes to sit in the back and let his legs fly out the the center mm-hmm. center aisle because otherwise it's just it's almost impossible. Um, but it's it's really it's just trying it out. Um, some fit people better uh, headroom wise. Uh, some sedans just are really uncomfortable. I've sat there with my head like this, <laughs> trying to be comfortable, and it's just it just doesn't work. Um, so I mean, if you're just two people looking for a car, sometimes the back room doesn't matter. But if you got friends and you want to go to dinner or something, it's important to understand that they should probably be comfortable too, especially on the drive back or the drive there. In this case, you jump on an Uber too if you're an Uber driver. You <laughs> make sure that your people yeah. are comfortable. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, minivans are great for the room. We usually had great luck with that. And one thing we talk about all the time, I'm glad I'm past this stage is uh car seats in the back seat too it can be tough I, it was tight in my jeep but there are some cars where you put a car seat in there your back seat i feel is completely yeah. toast i mean we we had a, a client who had bought a 911 not thinking about a car seat back there, <laughs> and their spouse was uh not pleased about uh probably the purchase of the 911 <laughs> but the whole thing and he actually had uh had a car seat in custom cut into the the back seat. Um, so I mean that's going to an extreme, but oh, yeah. you know, you love the car. Um, so yeah, things like that to be considered too. And sometimes you get surprised. Uh, not this last trip that Tim and I were in LA, but the time before that, we uh, hopped in uh, a client's uh, G-Wagon. I've always loved the look of a G-Wagon. Um, it has, you know, G-Wagons have stadium seating, which I don't know that everyone re- re- you know recognizes that. So uh I, I liked the car a lot, but I was surprised actually in the back seat how much less room you get in a G wagon compared to the front seats. Mm-hmm. Right, it doesn't look like that from the outside, but that is definitely in play. Yeah, it always looks like it's more roomier than it is, and it, it's, it's just getting yeah. real tight in there. Uh, you know, you mentioned a whole bunch of brands. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about assessing the quality of the vehicle, um, maybe by brand or? or I, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a hard, that's a hard call. How would you assess the quality in a vehicle? It's definitely hard. Um, cause some brands make really good ones some years and sometimes they like behind. Um, I'm, I'm a big uh, Cadillac fan. So I always, I always like what they do. Um, but people really love, uh, European cars and their interiors, uh, BMW for sure. Audi, Porsche, um, definitely make great feeling interiors the quality a lot of the quality comes in for a lot of uh, people that aren't into the outside part just comes into how the interior feels how the weather's feel what it smells like uh how it just feels to sit in there different technology components of it whether the stuff's snappy and fast when you go through menus um a lot of the higher end cars uh, put a lot more money into the technology into the materials um, some of the lower end brands, some people don't find that as important. They'll go with more plastics, uh, more harder materials. So it's more durable, but mm-hmm. it still doesn't feel as great. So it's hard to differentiate brands because they all, they all change up every now and again, but you know, there's those big players that people trust for stuff like that. I was, I, I remember going to a car show with actually one of our old team members, Darren, and I just remember sitting in because he's also a car enthusiast and he made me sit in a car. And he's like, do you hear that? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, it's silent. 
I was like, oh my gosh, it really is quiet. And he's like, yeah, can you tell? And then I started noticing it because, you know, he was very big on the feel and how, it, you know, if there was no sound. And for me, I'm like, I get in a car and it's like, okay, does it run? Does it not run? Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at when it comes to quality. Uh, and does it have Bluetooth mm-hmm. um, outside of that? And so, but it is interesting if you really start taking the time to think about it, mm-hmm. there really is a big difference between some of those luxury brands. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That I'm glad you brought that up, Tim, because I know that, um, like Gary, like, and a lot of people like this too, like you want, you like to feel your car, right? When you drive experience, experience that yeah. kind of like what Darren was saying. Although I think the two of you had very different personal preferences mm-hmm. when it comes to the car that you like, it's been great. Both of you have just done a great job of talking clients through other things, even mm-hmm. if it's not something maybe that you'd want, mm-hmm. um, which kind of brings me then to the thought of what about when you're, when you have that feel, like what about handling? If a person really wants a vehicle that handles really well, what, you know, where would you kind of steer them to? Um, just some thoughts on that. And then I think actually some of the feel and noise probably is a great segue into some things. I know Tim wants to hit on some changes we've seen over the years in the car industry, but back to like the handling piece. Yeah. So, I mean, you're always going to find better handling with lower slung cars, sedans, coupes. Um, a lot of brands uh, offer um more performance oriented models. Uh, Audi does S models, Cadillac does V models. Um, just trying to think, uh, Volkswagen has some type R or not, they have R models. Uh, Honda has a type R for their Civic. And just those more sporty things have, have stiffer springs. Um, they might not be as comfortable to ride in, but they're gonna have more of that direct steering feel where you, you turn it and it doesn't, doesn't feel like it wallows. Um, it's all kind of a feel thing. It's still moving my body like it would. But uh, if you're looking for that kind of thing, there's definitely great options for it. Um, I can say uh, GM as a whole does really well, good job with suspension in almost all their cars. Um, and they're really highly regarded for that. Okay. So I'm going to change the subject a little bit, kind of going off of some of the quality and the handling of the car. So we want to talk about gas versus electric. Mm. Yes, the EV conversation, electric vehicles. So um, I guess first and foremost, can you just give us your opinion on the combustion engine versus an electric (laughs) car? Well, I'm a big old car enthusiast, so I I don't really want to see gas go anywhere because I I love my old cars. But... um, a lot of people prefer electric. A lot of people um, want to have a, a feeling of helping the environment and be part of that. And that can be really important to some people. Um, I, I don't understand electric cars as well. I like to work on stuff myself. So gas cars provide me a way to be able to figure things out more than I would be able to with a new modern electric car. Well, even modern cars now, there's a lot of technology components that I really can't fix if something goes wrong. Um, so I'm a big gas car guy, but that, that's not for everybody. Okay. Okay. But so um, in an electric vehicle talking about power, so I know GTO judges, your, that's, that's your baby. That's your, that's what you want, right? That, that, that's the old, that's the goal. Um, but obviously I know where the power is coming from that. It's a, the very strong combustion engine. Where does the power come from? For example, in a Tesla, well, I mean, a lot of it, it's kind of hard because it, it all depends on geography. Um, so for an electric car, obviously, we got to plug it into the wall um, or at a power station. But 
the electricity has to come from somewhere. Uh, a lot of times, traditionally, it comes from coal power, natural gas, um, especially in regions up in the north where we have changes in seasons and, and light. We can't really get solar as much as we can other places. So a lot of times up here, we're resorting back to coal or natural gas. Um, so it's just, it's important to know where that's come, where that electricity is coming from. Uh, a lot of people like to charge their cars at night when they, when they get home, there's no sun <laughs> at night. So solar power doesn't work as good as you'd like it to. Um, you can still store power. Um, I think Tesla has a, a, a power wall where you can hook it to solar and it stores the power in the batteries. Um, so options like that are great for that. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. And what's interesting too is, uh, again, we mentioned this on another podcast, but John, who was on our podcast talking about gas, I was speaking to him and he was mentioning that, uh, so C stores, which he owns, are not allowed to sell electricity from the grid. So for example, in Madison, Wisconsin, it'd be Madison Gas and Electric. So what they do, what they do in order to, to get electricity is they get diesel generators Oh. to be able to support the electricity. Um, and then that's how they can charge for it. Mm-hmm. So you're running diesel diesel fuel to get the generation, to get the electricity, to then charge your car. So this is an interesting uh, thought there. It's what I guess sometimes can happen. Uh, but this is more of a question for our Midwesterners because obviously we have winters and it gets cold and batteries can get drained by the cold. Um, and so I was wondering if you could just hit on range anxiety may not be as much of a case for our clients out in California. Uh, weather is beautiful there most of the time. So I'm just curious on what your thoughts are on range, range anxiety and where that's going within the electric vehicle space. Um, well, I think the, the issue of our range is kind of a big one because uh, car culture in the United States is a big part of who we are and having that freedom to be able to get in the car and, pretty much drive anywhere you want uh, in a day or two or three, depending on where you're going. Um, It's important to some people. And if people want to go on cross country trips, you got to really plan out where you're stopping, where you're charging, how much time it's going to take to do that. Um, When it just takes 10 minutes to fill up your car and keep going with the gas car. Um, I'm sure as time goes on, we're going to get see a lot more range coming out of electric cars. Um, and uh, that's why I'm a big fan of if you're going for an environmental environmental route, go for a, a hybrid because you get the best of both worlds. You get a gas powered car when you need it, and you get the electric one when you don't. Um, and that really helps to cut down on the range anxiety because <laughs> if you get a, get to a gas station, fill up, keep going, and if you want the electric part, it'll be there. Gotcha. That's okay. A great suggestion. But on that subject too, I'm curious, two things. So one question I have is we're, whenever we hear about electric vehicles, it's typically Tesla um, that people are talking to us about. Now Rivian a little bit too, but not a lot on the, on the market yet. Uh, but we know that that's not the only options. A number of these companies are working towards that. What other companies um, have you seen make really good strides that maybe we just don't hear about enough um, in the electric vehicle market. Sure. Um, Ford has been hitting on that. Uh, they've recently put out the uh, Mustang Mach-E, which is a kind of a sporty SUV. 
Uh, GM's making big moves on that. They've done a huge ad campaign, bringing in Dr. Evil for the EVs. <laughs> um, uh, they just, they've had electric cars or, or hybrid cars for a little bit now, um, the, namely the Bolt, uh, which is a little tiny SUV. Um, they're recently, uh, I brought out the Hummer, yeah, that blows my mind. Right? Isn't it a little ironic? <laughs> so everybody didn't like Hummers before, but now they're kind of bringing it back with electric, which is kind of a cool, cool move on their part. Um, they're looking into uh, Cadillacs coming out. I think at a certain point, they're going to try to just wipe out all gas and just go full electric for Cadillacs brands. Um, so they're coming out with the Lyric pretty soon with a Q at the end. Um, and I think they're going to bring out a sedan called the Celestic, hmm. I believe. Oh. And then Corvette for GM, they're going to eventually come out with an electric Corvette, wow. which will be interesting to see. Um, so yeah, those are, those are uh, Audi, the, the, the Qtron, uh, they're certainly hitting on the electric space. Those are all the ones I can think of right now. We, we also, this is my second question, in, um, we, you know, in, in these conversations on this particular topic, we've also, though, heard that the combustion engine itself has made efficiency improvements and so what, what can you tell us about the future of that engine it's interesting um i know that toyota has been working on creating actually a, a, a hydrogen engine so it's still internal combustion but doesn't use gasoline it's hydrogen um hydrogen is actually a very interesting um idea uh, logistically, it's kind of hard to try to, to produce the hydrogen and distribute it into places where you can get to it. Um, but it's definitely an option, and I, I believe Toyota is going to be um, putting in race cars and, mm. and testing that out, which will be really cool. Um, but they're also just working on efficiency with gas cars, too. Um, we've made huge strides from the 70s from doing emissions things. Um, making it better for the environment, um, making it more efficient, obviously. Uh, just based on the designs of the engines, they can get a lot more power um, using uh, things like turbochargers and superchargers to force more air in uh, to make the whole combustion process more efficient using more air. Uh, so we're, we're seeing smaller and, and more efficient engines as time goes on doing the same kind of power that big giant V8s were doing back in the sixties. So it's, it's really interesting to see. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm going to change our course a little bit. And we talked a lot, obviously a little bit about gas versus electric, what to look for in a car. Now we can talk a little bit about how to buy a car. So like where, to, I guess first is first most, like where do you find cars? Like what's the best deal? Are we going to a car? What is it? Not cars.com. What's the Carvan? Carvana. Carvana. Or, uh, no, CarMax. CarMax. I think of CarMax. So like those type of, of searches. And also we had, we had heard, and I think they may have launched it too, where they're even like a, a car sharing service is mm -hmm. what some uh, companies, I think GM or maybe was thinking about spinning that out or beta testing it, where you mm -hmm. can then like be a subscription where you can, where you can trade the cars, trade the cars. That in. was GM. Was Cadillac GM? specifically, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. So like subscription. So I'm just out of curiosity, like, where do you find cars today? Is it still on the lot or are you going like where, if you're going to buy something, we're going to go buy it. Yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of it nowadays starts online. Um, you can have 
great access to looking at cars that are available on dealers' websites. Um, if you're going for a new car, obviously, the dealer's the way to go. Um, you get the best kind of warranties there and the initial service if something goes wrong. Obviously, cars can come out of factory and things can be messed up, and it happens, but they, a lot of times they, they are good about fixing that. Um, used cars is where it gets a little more complicated. Um, like you said, CarMax, Carvana. Um, Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> no, I'm just going to get to that too. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, um, uh, CarMax, and, and Carvana do a great job of showing you things online. Uh, I've actually had a lot of fun going on Carvana, and they'll, they'll give you a 360 view where you can look at every ding and, and mark that they show. Um, and they'll deliver it to you, which is, which is cool. Um, and CarMax, they have locations all over the place, um, even even local used car lots, um, which may, might not have the same level of warranties or, or guarantees on it, but you can still probably find good deals. You just got to be careful and, and, and do your research on what you're buying. Um, Auto Trader still exist? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Auto Trader, yeah. What, so what about Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist? Are you going there? I mean, I know people are... That's scary. Yeah, so that, my current car that I drive is where I found that on Facebook Marketplace. Um, there we go. Had to, I, I bought it in... Uh, the Caddy? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I bought it in Beloit um, from, a, from a, a really nice lady. Um, but you got to do a lot of legwork with that. You got <laughs> to make kind of sure... What kind of legwork are we talking about, Gary? <laughs> I mean... Proceed with caution. Yeah, right. Proceed with caution. I mean... Uh, buying anything on Facebook for sale or Craigslist. Um, just got to be careful who you're buying it from. You got to make sure they're safe. Luckily, I like with Facebook, you can look at their profile so you can see if it's like an actual real person. Um, and I've had great luck so far. I mean, like the Cadillac that I drive now, um, I got it for a great price. It only needed tires when I got it. Um, and it's just been great. Awesome. But, and, but you can have real lemons too. I mean, people sell cars for a reason. Sometimes they, they're, they're tired of it and they'll just sell it, but some have problems and they, they won't tell you. And so you just gotta, you gotta know that, that you either gonna have to put in the work to make it, make it work for you, or you're gonna have to shell out more money than you were expecting um, to make it what you were hoping for. Okay. Have you had experience with auctions? I haven't done any auctions yet. Well, stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> says, yeah. We have to do another podcast yeah. on, on Gary's auction experience. Yeah. Um, so we've got a lot of this like recently with leasing versus buying. And we've mm -hmm. gotten quite a bit, as you know, Gary, because you've been helping out with it, mm -hmm. with uh, should I buy my lease out? And so I don't know if we start with like current market environment where the car market is mm -hmm. and then talk a little bit about that and then talk maybe a little bit about leasing versus buying. Sure. So, I mean, the market right now... Um, I think we're still seeing it is that cars are holding up their value a lot more than they have been. Uh, it used to be the case that when you bought a car off a new car lot, it would depreciate about 20 to 30% as soon as you drive it off a lot. If you came back and tried to sell it to them, you'd be taking a big hit. Um, but right now, uh, some people are, are selling them for more than they bought it for, which is crazy, but that's just the supply environment that we're living in right now. Um, but I think that, um, when we're talking about lease versus buy, um, a lot of it is qualitative. 
Um, if you're really into getting the new car every two or three years, leasing is probably a way to go because you're, you're going to get stuck with the car that you don't want then. Um, and you can just keep going and rolling it in and people find a lot of success with that. Um, but if you, if you really end up liking this car that you've leased, buying it out, it's not a bad option, especially in the environment we're in right now, it could be a lot, it could be a really good deal compared to what you're getting. We've had people several times now in this environment buy out the lease because mm -hmm. of what they get paid for it. And then turn around right there and immediately sell the car mm -hmm. to get more cash to put down on a larger down payment on a new lease. Nope. It's been very, I've never seen that before. No, no. It, this is, this is a brand new environment that we're offer for that. It's, it's, it's kind of bonkers. Um, but yeah, you can get some really good deals on that. Um, so people are really lucky when they, they leased a car three years ago and, and are, are in this environment. And with leasing too, Garrett, don't, it, I know we usually talk about it also as like time frame. So how mm -hmm. long? And obviously getting the new car every three years, which you're speaking, the time frame. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's said, oh, you know, I like, I'm going to use myself. Like, hey, Gary, uh, I'm going to buy my car. And I'm probably not going to get rid of it for like 10, 15 years because that's just how I am. <laughs> and you're probably like, all right, it probably makes sense to go ahead and buy it and lease it. And and is that more so just because then I, why would we talk about it in that realm, I guess, from a time frame? Well, a lot of people just like having the ownership of it. Um, a lot of people celebrate when they finally stop paying those payments and it's actually theirs. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you just got to remember that when, when the car gets older, more miles on it, more things go wrong. Um, you might have to end up paying for it, but, um, I mean, some of the cars like the car that I have is pretty old now, but it's still doing okay. And so you can find the success stories in that. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. And what about, uh, I guess we could talk a little bit about financing and, and the route of financing cars. So if we wanted to go ahead and buy the car outright, um, you know, just the financing options that we typically see. Yeah. Um, uh, at least around here, we have great, great local, local credit unions having, having good financing options, um, for used cars. Uh, a lot of times the used dealerships have some financing options that are really good. Um, I think recently my, my dad purchased a car and got somewhere under 2%, I think, on uh, square mm -hmm. interest rate. So I, I think we'll probably be seeing interest rates start coming up a little bit now, but I, it's always great to shop options on financing because the one that the dealer offers you isn't always the, the set in stone one. Okay. And, and then hitting on a little bit too of just like depreciation, which kind of ties into availability. So like, how are we feeling about depreciation today on cars? I mean, I mentioned before, like, oh, you drive it off lot was 20%. It's not really the case any longer. I know. Uh, and depreciation is different for all types of cars. Uh, trucks, uh, pickup trucks are notorious for not depreciating very much as they get older. I mean, there's <laughs> more durable, more durable, more, more desirable. Um, Seems like a lot of people are just looking for pickup trucks. Um, I mean, even trucks that are 15 years old are still going for lots of money. Um, uh, but depreciation-wise, I mean, yeah, this is just a totally new environment for for new cars and even just slightly used cars. Are there particular brands that tend to depreciate less than others? 
luxury, luxury for sure, and pickup trucks, uh, luxury, um, luxury cars will, I think, see a slow depreciation right out of the gate, and then as soon as they start hitting a certain age, when they're getting a lot of miles on them, then you can get them for the cheap. Mm. But that's when issues start to arise. Okay. I guess that's a great transition to the last subject we want to talk about. So most cars lose money over time. Mm -hmm. Some cars don't. So can you talk a little bit about the collector's corner? Perhaps um, just what goes into buying a collector's car, um, maybe hit a little bit on the work involved, and then how you might view that as an investment. Sure. So not always, not, not always. Um, a lot of collector cars are just labors of love. Um, it just, there's a lot of time and energy involved in picking parts out when things go wrong, things aren't as readily available. A lot of it, a lot of it is just, a, is, is, is all love because sometimes you're just not going to get the money out that you put in. Um, same thing with boats too. I mean, you gotta find you gotta find one that's that's like an old boat. It's good to find a restored one because somebody already put all the money into it and they're already getting a loss. Um, same thing with cars. You can you can find one with a lot of work done to it. Take it because if it looks like it's gonna be a lot of work, it probably isn't. It's probably gonna be a lot more than you're expecting. Any particular models that are that you see are really sought out as an investment car. Uh, right now, uh, Porsche 911s are huge. Um, this is interesting. Yeah. Like that was when I was a kid that was, they were really big and then not, not as much for a period of time. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, that's kind of why, um, a lot of the kids that were growing up in the seventies, um, and eighties saw it, thought they were really cool and they kind of just got left aside. And recently they've just, prices have just been going way up. Um, I used to work for a race shop that worked on Porsches and it was just, it's crazy to see the kind of values that, that those cars are pulling out. But I mean, they're really cool cars and, and people really love them. There's whole, there's whole giant club for Porsches, specifically uh, Porsche Club of America. They race them, they, they have giant meetups, but you'll, you'll find that with lots of different Corvettes too. Um, big giant communities around Corvettes. Uh, I like to watch Corvettes because they've been around for so long. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of like to watch the depreciation value that that occurs through the generation. You'll see it. You kind of get to see it move as as the newer ones will start to depreciate to a point where it will stop, and then they'll start gradually increasing in price. And right now, they're about the seventies, late seventies, eighties are starting to go back up, mm -hmm. and the early nineties ones are starting to come down. And so that's back to the depreciation thing is there's even in these older cars there, you're seeing it go down, but then you're going to see it come up eventually. It's like trading cards, like cards. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, if, uh, if Steven's listening, I, I wonder what you can get from a, for a nine 11 with a custom built car seat. Um, <laughs> any, any other, you know, shreds of wisdom you can share on qualitative versus quantitative concepts when it comes to this kind of, specific market and collector items. Sure. And I would say if it's, if it's a car you've been seeking after for years and years and something you've dreamed about doing and you have the ability to do it, go ahead and do it. Just understand that, that a lot of times the dream is really nice, but the reality of it can be kind of, kind of scary. Um, 
but for a lot of people, especially in, in America, the, the, like we I talked about before, the, the car culture is, is very big deal. Um, so with me and, and Pontiacs uh, and Buicks are, are big to me um, and old Cadillacs are just something I really like and I'll, I'll take a little heartache just to be able to, to, to play with them. I, I mean, the car buying thing is always interesting to me because I'm not a car person in the sense of I'm, I'm not I'm not sold on it. I don't have an affinity to a certain car. Like I said, I just wanted to get it from point A to point B. And honestly, if I could just not have to do too much to it, great, I'm in. Um, and it has Bluetooth. That's the one thing that I won't give up anymore. So from a technology standpoint, but it is always nice to talk to car enthusiasts because there is more to a car when it comes to experience and different things. And when you're looking at it, I think, as Dan mentioned very well, when you have a family, you have to think about things in a little bit of a different light, quality, safety, not banging door, you know, car doors into other cars. That's not fun either. Um, so it's always nice just to listen to others that, that enjoy this space and, and are interested in it because it, it enlightens me and it teaches me things that maybe think I should care a little bit more for what I try. So thank you, Gary. Always appreciate it. Dan. Yeah, a couple things. I love that you mentioned when we were speaking about the whole anxiety and buying an electric car and trying to get, you know, anywhere outside of California, um, that, that you should consider a hybrid. I just feel like we don't get a lot of conversations about hybrids anymore. Uh, there was a period where we talked a lot about them and now we've just talked about, you know, the, the EV concept. Um, and it's a great way to hedge your bet and still not, you know, have to worry about the, the, the environmental impact to the same degree. So really glad you brought that up. I mean, car culture in America is something special um, that I think even car enthusiasts, like Tim was saying, um, they obviously get it, but non-car enthusiasts, like they can still appreciate the art of it and then others get it and why it's, uh, you know, America and cars is kind of like what Forrest Gump said is like peas and carrots. <laughs> they just kind of go together. Um, and I think the takeaway in that is, from what we see from a professional standpoint is a lot of people will buy a car, not understanding the reasons as to why they buy the car. Right. Mm. And, uh, and honestly, that that's the only really kind of major misstep that I see from a first step when it comes into a car is that like we can associate with so many different things. It's just really important to know thyself, right? Mm. If you're buying a car, like Tim said, because you don't want doors slammed, well, then a minivan is a really great option. If you're buying a car because you really want to feel that car, a GTO is a great, a great car to buy. If you're buying a car because you don't really know what you're buying and you think that you should be getting something else and you're not understanding those components of it, cars can be a nightmare. So a um, lot of reasons, uh, whether they be cosmetic, which I think is fine. It's, it is a piece of art, um, you know, or you're buying for the story or whatever be the case. Those are all acceptable. Again, as long as it's just in line with what you what you really want to do. The last thing I, I want to mention is really a shout out. Um, it's been about a year since we've touched on this subject. So uh, last April, we had Alex Shep come on and talk about cars as well. So Gary spoke about where you can find cars. Um, if you don't want to find the car, but you know what you want, there are professionals like Alex. He's based here out of Madison that you can hire to go find you a car. I think when we talked about a year ago, he just pulled in a new Rolls Royce Phantom, which is a very difficult car to find um, for somebody. So if you if you know what you want, you don't want to do it. There are services, great services like that um, to 
be able to find these, these situations. And so if you want to hear what he had to say, that season two, episode 14, uh, titled, um, um, you're not buying a car, you're buying a story. And he does speak a lot about that. Uh, so that's all I have. Your, your final thoughts, Gary? My final thought is, um, cars are complicated. And so people shouldn't feel bad if they, if they need a little help to ask a question. I'm certainly always happy to talk about cars. Um, but I, cars are just kind of a big part of our lives. Um, I think they're going to continue to be being so, um, so yeah, take the time to, to look at what you like. Um, don't feel bad if you're going for a quality brand and, and something that you really like, because it's going to be a big part of your life. So might as well enjoy it. Well, it, as Tim said, I echo his thoughts. Thank you again for sharing this and always sharing this with our clientele off rec, you know, off, off mic. We, we always appreciate that Gary. And th thank you audience for tuning in, no pun intended to another one of our episodes and, and just joining us in these fun conversations about anything finance. Have a great day. Take care of yourselves. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments, broker-dealer or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.